Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Always good to be here with you. My name is Don. As they said, I get to um, spend this Palm Sunday with you and kick off this whole Holy Week. Don't be that excited about it, but <laughs> that. <laughs> so if. <laughs> So if you'd like to turn with me to the book of Matthew, the 21st chapter, let's take a look at, at the narrative coming from the, the triumphal entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, then tell them the Lord needs them and he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Quote, say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. If you were in that crowd, you would have to go back a long way to find when the nation of Israel was strong, when the kingdom was something to be aware of and to be proud of. You'd have to go all the way back to David, King David and his reign a thousand years before this. You'd have to go back and you would wonder, oh my goodness, when was it that we were ever free? Oh, you have to go all the way back to David. When were we independent? When was there wealth in the land? When was there victory on the battlefield? When was there hope? And you'd wait, and you'd wait, because since then, it had been completely downhill for Israel. There was just constant enemy after enemy after enemy that would beat them, beat them down, defeat them, sometimes torture them, kill them, put them in captivity, take them off into exile. And they'd wait. First it was the Egyptians, then the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and now the Roman Empire. After the Old Testament was over, the middle time was just a waiting time, a silent time, hoping for something to happen 
There are a lot of books that were written and presented at that time called the apocalyptic books that were images and symbols of, of God trying to give them hope that, hey, there's gonna be a hero come. There's gonna be another king. He's gonna usher in a kingdom and all the enemy are gonna be put to flight. There's gonna be prosperity again. There's gonna be strength and power. There's gonna be hope back in the land. You're gonna be a nation that's proud. You're the people of God. And for 300 years, they waited. And they waited. And they waited. 300 years waiting. Almost every year that they could do it at least, they would have a festival, many feasts, Jewish tradition. Perhaps the best one was this one they called the Passover. It was like, if you're in golf, it was like the Masters. If you're in football, it's the Super Bowl. It's it's more than that, though. It's, it's national pride. It's patriotism. It's religious fervor all put together. And it's, it's, just, it's this carnival festival attitude that, that just brings people in from all over the place. They would gather every year, and what they would do is they would celebrate and they would remember Passover. They'd go back in their minds to the time when their, their nation was just a small group of people and they were in captivity to the Egyptians. And they, for 400 years, thought they'd never get out of there. But God brought a deliverer named Moses. And through Moses, God, God did a miraculous thing. He basically obliterated the Egyptians. You remember plague after plague after plague, culminating with the last, where the, where the firstborn of every family was killed? Unless you were a follower of God. You followed Yahweh, they, they gave you the instructions to take a lamb and to sacrifice the lamb and take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of your home. And when the death angel would pass over, your family would be spared. And thus the Passover festival and feast was celebrated. Remember when we were God's people? Remember when God acted on our behalf? Remember when God did something? Remember when, remember when God heard our prayers? Remember that. And they would pray for him to do it again. Send another leader, send a Moses. Send a David. Send a king. And they waited. And they waited. And they waited. But this year, this year the Passover was different. This year there was something going on. There was something stirring. There were rumors floating around. Hey, have you heard? There's a man who walks on water. There's over 5,000 people running around this city and they all attest to having one day eaten more than they, could, than they could fill their stomach up from a little box lunch of a little boy because of that man that walks on water. If you look around, there's people running around the city. They have short sleeve robes. They have their robes rolled up. They want everybody to see their skin because they once were pale and 
and diseased and, and rotting. Really, they were lepers. They had leprosy. But that man healed them. There were people with 2020 vision, 2015 vision, some of them, who were blind at one time. But that man. There were people who had been paralyzed, some of them for their whole life. And they were the ones walking the fastest, jumping the highest, dancing and shouting and singing. Those guys, because of that man. We're not just talking hundreds. We're talking thousands of people. Stories for three years that have been circulating around and about that man. Could he be the one? Could this be the time? We've waited and we've waited. We've suffered. Are we still God's people? Does he still have promises? Does he still have a man sent by God and empowered by God to do something about the circumstance we're in? One day, looking up on the mountain, Mount Olives, they called it, it was the highest mountain peak in Jerusalem area, about 2,700 feet in elevation. It was taller than Mount Zion, which is kind of a famous thing. From the Mount of Olives, Jesus went up there a lot of times to pray. From the Mount of Olives, you could look down, you could see the whole city of of Jerusalem, everybody in Jerusalem could see up on the Mount of Olives. It'd be like looking up in the South Mountains and seeing something happen. And one day, that man, that Jesus, got on a donkey of all things with a procession of people that had followed him up from Jericho, a large crowd, and we're with him now on a donkey of all things, a donkey, and started a processional down. I don't know who the first one was, but somebody started shouting out, Hosanna. Maybe it was the ones that threw the cloak out in front of the, of the donkey. Others joined in. Hosanna. Hosanna. Pretty soon, the, it, was, it was the crowd effect. You know how they, once you get in the crowd and it all starts going, and they start shouting Hosanna at the top of their lungs. I don't know, I don't know if it was like, the, like how we sang, the songs that we sang, Hosanna. Or if it was like, you know, a sports crowd. Hosanna. I don't know how, I don't know how it came across, but it just kind of started to go in a crescendo. Maybe it was like a soccer crowd. You ever been to a soccer? We're in Phoenix, so we, we kind of know what soccer crowds are. We used to live up in Portland, Oregon. Thousands of people would gather together, stand in the rain to watch a soccer match, zero to zero, by the way, for hours, and they would sing the whole time. They would sing. Portland people. But that's a whole other story. I don't know what that looked like, how that sounded. Here, here's, an, here's, a, here's how I think it went. Hosanna, Hosanna, Zanna, Zanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. How old are you? Hey, JC, JC, take a look at me. Smile at me. Zanna, Hosanna, hey. Superstar. Is that? See, when I was a kid, I went to um, Jesus Christ Superstar 
in the original one, actually, it was the original one. Okay, I, th I thought that would be a little. I don't know how Hosanna was. I don't know what it was like, but it was a pretty amazing moment when he started to come down. And they started saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We think of Hosanna as kind of exaltation and adulation, and indeed it is, and it was wonderful to worship today with that exaltation of Hosanna, and adulation of the Lord. But if you were a Roman soldier, if you, were, if you were guarding and trying to keep the peace, you were on guard. You had your hands on your sword. The hair on the back of your neck would stand up because this wasn't just a praise time. This wasn't church going on. Hosanna were words that were going all the way back into the Old Testament, back into the, the Psalms of the Ascent. You go into the 118th Psalm, there's a, little, there's a little scripture that says, God, save us. Save us now. Save us now. Save us. It's, it's, it's a warrior's term. It's a, it's a battle cry. It's, it's, the, it's Messiah. It's King coming back, and, and it's God doing something, and it's now's the time. Save us. Save us, Hosanna. That little, that little psalm starts out with, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. You don't remember Jesus Christ Superstar? Do you remember that little song? This is the day. Okay, you don't remember that either, but it's, it's more than just like God made this day. This is, a, this is a, a prophecy of this is the day. It's here. It is on. Save us. Save us now. Save us now. Save us now, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us now. Save us now from the Romans. Save us now from the circumstances. Hosanna, save us now. Ride the donkey. Comes all the way down. Down into the Kidron Valley and up into the eastern gate of Jerusalem. By now, the cobblestone streets and the walls are reverberating with Hosanna. And his, his disciples are there and they're going, it is about time. I cannot believe three years we've been running, hiding, darting in and out of alleys and trying to get away from the soldiers and it's about time. For three years, it's not his time yet. Don't tell us, don't tell anybody who he is. They were even, he would even talk to the demons. He'd cast demons out and the demons would start to, don't, don't, don't say my name. It's not my time. It's not time. But now, it's time. They're high-fiving, their chest bumping. Messiah, king, this is it. All those years of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the kingdom, it's now. The religious leaders were watching what was going on and they had at least five times taken an oath to kill that man. And now they couldn't find him. He was too slippery to got loose. And all of a sudden, here he is riding a donkey of all things down the middle of the road. They're, they're gleaming. They can't do anything about it now. There's too many people. The Pharisees are, have their hands tied. They, but now they know where he's at. Jesus comes into the, into the city gates on this donkey. I want you to think a little bit about Jesus. He never is recorded doing anything but 
walking. Everywhere he goes, he walks. He walked into Jerusalem, he'd walk down to Jericho, he'd walk up to Galilee, he'd walk on water. He walked. He always walking. It's not coincidence that he's now on a donkey, that he decides to ride in to the city. What he's basically saying is, the kingdom is being brought to you. Maybe you haven't caught it yet, but the kingdom is being brought to you. It's breaking through. It's now. King on a donkey. You would think if he's going to fight the Roman soldiers, he'd be on a stallion. Or he'd be in a gold chariot, but he's on a donkey. This isn't a mule, please remember. This is not like a, a mule that almost as big as a horse or bigger than a horse. This is a donkey. This is the cult of a donkey. This is a little, you'd look at Jesus on this donkey and you go, that almost looks silly. You'd almost feel sorry for the donkey. His feet probably dragging on the ground a little bit. What kind of king is this? The Roman soldiers would say. Good grief. But this kingdom that he's bringing is different. This kingdom is not coming to overthrow the Romans. This kingdom is symbolic of the donkey. Humility. Serving. In fact, in the next week, he's going to show his servant and humility, heart of humility and love. He's going to go to the cross and, and, and give his life up. It's a donkey. Donkey was a symbol of peace. Warriors would come in on stallions. This is the king of peace. This is a kingdom of peace. It goes all the way back through the, the Davidic royalty, though. I mean, there were the coronation of Solomon, Jehu. They, they, were, they came in on donkeys. They came in with throwing cloaks down in front of the red carpet treatment and ticker tape of, of palm branches being swung back and forth. People would automatically realize where it's connected to, but this is, this is not like those other guys. This is, this is different. And when he gets there, it says him saying to the world, I've been telling you for three years now, the kingdom is here. It is on. I don't know if you have a, did any of you follow one in this journal that, that we're doing? We've got some, some journal people out there. I'm, I'm like the state pastor in Arizona and like half a dozen churches in Arizona are doing this with you. Um, and, and I love it because it's about the kingdom. It's about Matthew. And it, please don't miss it. If there's a theme that Jesus goes in and talks about over and over and over again, it's the kingdom. Now, our culture today, we're not used to kingdoms. We, we, we're Americans. <laughs> we, don't, we got away from the king and the queen. So we, but this is about the kingdom. Kingdom. And Jesus is, you know, even in our church culture, we're not about the kingdom. Church culture today, it's like this. Jesus came so I can know the right words to say, the right prayer to pray, and the right time to pray it so I can go to heaven. Isn't that basically it? That's why everybody comes to church on Easter. They want to find out if anything's changed. Any new words? Anything else I need to do? Okay, see you next year, maybe Christmas. And we miss out on the kingdom. The king. If you, if you haven't done it yet as you go through that journal, just start in Matthew. You know, you start with the, with the Christmas story and 
as it, it jumps into the third chapter, John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of, of Jesus, it says, repent, John the Baptist says, as he points to Jesus, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus jumps on that in the fourth chapter, and he goes all throughout Galilee, into the synagogues, preaching, healing every disease and every sickness. And what is he preaching? The good news of the kingdom. You get to the fifth chapter, the Beatitudes. We love the Beatitudes. It starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit for the, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It ends in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for all kinds of different things, all manners of evil spoken against you, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you pray, Jesus says, our Father who art in heaven, holy be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Goes a little bit further in that next chapter. You guys worry about so much. You worry about what you're gonna wear. You worry about what you're gonna eat. You're gonna worry about how much money you're gonna make. You're, you're worried. Birds, birds don't worry about that. Flowers don't worry about that. You don't need to worry about that. Instead, here's what I'm telling you, Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom. And what happens? All these things shall be added to you. Can you catch the kingdom? And then you go chapter after chapter. Almost every chapter, he's talking about the kingdom somewhere. In the 10th chapter, he gets all his disciples together and he says, I'm gonna send you out. You're gonna heal diseases. You're gonna cast out demons. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to preach. And I want you to preach the kingdom is near. It's at hand. It's ready. And then to give him some material, he just starts telling story after story after story. Parables. He loves to tell those stories. The kingdom of God is like a field. The kingdom of God is like a pearl. A kingdom of God is like yeast in the dough. A kingdom of God is like fill in the blank over and over. Like, like the top people in the kingdom are children. The kingdom of God, you went through some of these in your, in your last few sermon studies. The kingdom of God is like a party. It's like a banquet. You invite everybody. Everybody's included. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. It's near, it's close, it's at hand, it's right here. It's not like this should be a surprise. And when he starts to come down that mountain, the Bible says, you know why he did that? Because hundreds of years before he was ever born, there was a prophet that prophesied that that would happen in just that way. And he quotes that. Say to your daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you. It's on the kingdom is on. I've been telling you now for three years, it's now on. This next week is gonna blow you away. Are we gonna tear up the Romans? Are we gonna wipe out the Romans? No, 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 no. If you think the kingdom of God is all this outward stuff, if you think the kingdom of God is coming so you can defeat all your enemies, you're missing it. You watch what I do. I turn the kingdom all upside down. The greatest weapons the Romans had to throw at me the worst possible thing that they could do to show their power and their hatred. and their, I'm gonna take that. It's called the crucifixion. I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna turn it and I'm gonna redeem it. And by their attempt to snuff me out, they're gonna provide life 
for eternity for others when I give my life up. That's what I do with the kingdom. Telling you about the kingdom. I can't promise all your circumstances will get better if you would just latch into the kingdom. I tell you this, he redeems all your circumstances for his good, your good and his glory. That's his kingdom. And it's on. And he goes to the cross and he dies. Is it about forgiveness of sin? Yes. And he's resurrected again that we might have life forever. Is it about living forever with him in heaven? Yes. But don't miss the kingdom. Don't miss the kingdom. He's the kingdom bringer. He brings it. And boy, does he ever bring it. We have a hard time with, with kingdom thought because since we, since we don't have governments like that, let me help you with this. Every one of you has a kingdom. You have a own little personal kingdom. We're created that way to have a kingdom. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve are told by God, be fruitful and multiply, have, take the world, have dominion over the world. Dominion is a kingdom word. We are born and created to have dominion over this world, our key, to set up kingdom, except for this little thing called sin that messed things up. So that our kingdom <laughs> is usually pretty messed up because of that innate sin that we have in ourselves. Uh, we always choose wrongly. We choose sinfully almost every chance we get. Messes that up. But you're born with that. Little baby, first words toddlers say, no. They follow that up with mine, mine, no, mine, no, mine. Those are kingdom words. You just, you just build on that from, <laughs> from, from into adulthood. No, mine, no, mine. If, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you're driving down your car and you've got more than one of those kids in the back seat, it's all about kingdom back there. Mom, he touched me. Dad, he won't quit hitting me. She won't stop hitting me. She spit on me. Good. And, and finally, you just had nothing. You just put a line right there. You don't touch him. He, you don't touch her. You, right there, right Driving down there. Mom, she breathed on me. He's looking at me. Okay, keep your breath in your own kingdom. Keep your eyesight in your own kingdom. We... You know what kingdoms are? Yes. <laughs> it's, our, it's our own will. It's our own way. It's our own, it's our own whatever we want to have happen, happens. It's, it's, the Bible says that it, it, we see things so differently than God. His ways are not our ways. Our ways are our own, our own kingdom. And when John the Baptist comes and Jesus starts to come and says, the kingdom is near. The kingdom's right here. The kingdom's right. Repent because the king, what are they saying? You're going down your own kingdom. Stop. Turn around, repent, there's a better way. It's called the kingdom of God. And Jesus comes in and says, I'm bringing the kingdom. And he, and he illustrates that in his life. From the highest point, he starts to make a journey down to the lowest valley, looking for an open gate to walk into the city and to begin his reign. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it's in heaven, as it is up there, bring it on down here, please. I bring the kingdom to you. I bring it. 
I don't know about you, but our kingdoms here on earth are not, are not what we end up doing is we take our sinful kingdom and we marry another sinful kingdom, put them together and expand our sinful kingdoms. Then we start having children and expand that kingdom and before long we have neighborhood kingdoms and we have government kingdoms and we have school kingdoms, we have sports team kingdoms, we have the Raider Nation and the Red Sox Nation and we have cults like the Alabama Crimson Tide Nation and all that kind of stuff and, and it just starts all circling around before long. There's, it's not only just cities but it's, it's, it's nations and it's the world. You put them all together, it's the kingdom of earth. So different than the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is, 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 uh, is like a little child. The kingdom of heaven is like a party where everyone's included and invited. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, Paul says, we tell you it's righteousness, joy, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of heaven. Wouldn't it be great that, that the kingdom of earth was about righteousness and peace? Enjoy with God's presence. Kingdom of heaven intersects you. Jesus says, I am that kingdom. And not only do I bring the kingdom, I am the kingdom. And here's what happens. I start on the inside and work myself out. I don't start on the outside and hope to work in. And so he comes into every one of our kingdoms. Repent, repent, repent. Invite him in. Open the gates of your heart. Let him come in and he starts to transform us and change us and his kingdom starts to take root. And soon, all the world is affected by this kingdom that starts to build within it. And the church starts to push it out. It, this, king, this king is more than a Jewish king. This king is more than the king of kings. This king is a cosmic king. If you don't cry out, the stones will cry out, the Bible says. Earth starts to shake and travail of this king. And this king makes all the difference in the world. I don't know about you, but I love when Jesus gets really serious. In fact, he gets so serious after this that, that that's why I didn't even preach about it in this journal. I just went back to the triumphal entry. He goes in the temple and starts just rattling cages. Goes into the church, if you will, and starts rattling the religious people. He goes to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he sounds like Tom Jones. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. seven woe, 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 woe. I'm going, go get him, Jesus. I love when he starts beating on the Pharisees. I just love that. Woe to you, you, you whitewashed sepulchers. Yeah, let him have it. And, and then all of a sudden, it starts, boom. He starts hitting me because my kingdom Well, my, it's my kingdom still right here. It's too often. And he starts saying, Don, I, I've got some tables I need to overturn in your heart. Woe to you. Get a little pharisaical there. Woe to you. You look all clean on the outside, but the inside, whoa, whoa, what is that? We need to start letting him do some stuff. I, in my journal, I, I jotted down some things. See if, see if you... If, if your insides are anything like this list I just started putting down on, the, on my journal, in my journal. Um, anybody here have any bad habits? Anybody worry or how about gossip? Gossipers? 
Anybody do the wrong thing ever? Self-promote? Get judgmental? Bend the truth to get out of trouble or to make yourself look better? How about hold a grudge? Get cold and withdrawn? Impure thoughts? You ever get impatient with somebody? Stubborn, defensive, passive-aggressive, closed-minded? Anybody wanna have a show of hands and say, I, I can relate with some of that? Anybody? Yeah. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. You know how long it took me to make that list up? About two minutes. You know why? Because my wife does every single one of those. <laughs> he comes in and he starts to transform us. He sets his kingdom up with us and he changes us from the inside out. And then he asks us, would you be kingdom bringers? If I, if I let the kingdom dwell in you, would you, be, would you be kingdom bringers? I can't come down the mountain on the donkey all the time, but I have a church. Can you bring the kingdom to this world? And then he basically just, he asks of two things. There's two requests, two kingdom requests. Seek first the kingdom. Seek it. Figure it out. What is it? How can I have the joy and the peace and the righteousness here on earth? Not just wait for heaven sometime, but I can be different here on earth. I can live different. So that my life, my, my values, my priorities start to become kingdom priorities. I seek first. All these things will be added if I seek him first. Here's a second request. Advance the kingdom. Let the kingdom start in you and be dwelling in you and then advance the kingdom. I know we all, we have different jobs. We have different busy schedules. Our calendars, our checkbooks all tell us about all the stuff that we have. But could it be, could it be that God could just put together a, a group of people, his kingdom, that would say, we're about advancing the kingdom of God. Not my own kingdom. Not my own glory. Not my own, not for me, but for the kingdom. He's still looking for a group of people like that. My question is, this, this Easter, could this scripture come true for you? See, your king comes to you. That's my prayer for you. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've served him. I don't care what, you could have all the attendance pins in the world or you could be here your first time. Here's my prayer for you, that you would see that your king has come for you. He's come for you. Would you put him first? Would you be advancing his kingdom? Would you let him make all the difference in the world? Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, I, I'm amazed when I, when I think that 
You sent your son to come to this earth to die on a cross for us. Sometimes we just, we take that for granted. But it's not just about heaven and hell or a ticket out of burning fires of, of hell. It's, it's more than that. It's about the kingdom that starts now, today. Lord, would you find within us the wherewithal to say, first and foremost, I'm about the kingdom of God and I'm gonna advance it. Today as we close, there'll be some people down here that would love to pray with you, whether it's whatever need you might have. Maybe you're wrestling with giving him first place in your heart. Maybe you'd like to pray about that. Feel free to do so, Lord. These, these moments as we close, they're just for you. May we have the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, and may your righteousness prevail in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.